Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this week's episode of Firefly Willows LIVE. Our host this week is Mildred Lynn McDonald with Healing Conversations. Join Mildred Lynn as she chats with the pioneer spirited naturopathic doctor, Glenna Calder, and her sister, the internationally focused Dr. Tracy Morris. Wondering how to keep balance in your life in the midst of a busy schedule? Do you love traveling, but want a way to keep connection with friends and family, plus live a healthy lifestyle that includes your passions as well as sleep and play? Learn how Dr. Tracy Morris has learned to mix work, fun, hobbies, and medicine, all while continuing her education and understanding of HIV medicine, healthcare in developing rural countries, and infectious diseases. Next, Dr. Glenna Calder will provide insightful commentary on how to balance the pull between family, fitness, and work life. Find out the real-life practical tips that she uses every day to help her balance being mom to two youngsters while maintaining a thriving naturopathic practice in Halifax, Nova Scotia. She also manages to sneak in some Pilates, reading, and walks to nourish her soul. During this week's Firefly Willows LIVE Roundtable, we'll discuss... If you had your chance again, would you do it anyway? A lively exploration of the famous poem associated with Mother Teresa and Kent Keith. We're excited. Give us a listen. Good morning, everybody. This is Mildred Lynn McDonald. You're listening to Healing Conversations from Los Altos, California. And we'd love to start the morning off with a lively roundtable. I'd love to invite Heisey Lettimers to say hello. Hello, hello. And John Carousella and Deb Carousella. Good morning. Hi. Hi, thank you for joining us. Now, the topic for today is a poem called Anyway or Do It Anyway. And there's a little story attached to it. About five or six years ago, my mother went to the cedar chest in our home in Glace Bay, Nova Scotia, and she pulled out this poem. And the poem was pulled out because a good friend of hers had experienced a betrayal or something hurt her deeply. And my mother showed me this poem, and I read it, and I thought, I've never heard of this poem before, and it's fabulous. So I was really shocked, and it hit me on a very deep level, and I've always kept that poem in mind. Little did I know that over the next five to six years to follow, I would draw upon its wisdom and strength frequently. Now, the poem was written by an Albanian called Agnes Bojaso, excuse me for that, Agnes Bojaso. And Agnes Bojaso is better known as I see, or John, or Deb, you know? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, that's right. And the poem, legend has it, it was found in her belongings in Calcutta on a scrap of paper. Later on, people recognized that the poem was actually written by Dr. Kent Keith. And Mother Teresa, or it appears that Mother Teresa, took the poem and adjusted it to what made sense to her. And what I'd love to do is read our listeners the poem, and then I'm going to invite hi C and Deb and John to provide some commentary on the poem in terms of what verse in the poem really hits them and why does it hit them. So I'm going to read Mother Teresa's poem right now. 
And it's called Do It Anyway. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of being selfish and having ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may cheat you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years building, someone may destroy overnight. Build it anyway. If you find sincerity and happiness, serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It never was between you and them anyway. So what I'd like to start our round table off with is the reason that I found the poem so intriguing, and that would be the last part where it said it was never between you and them it's between you and God, or maybe some people would say it's between you and your higher self, or it's you between you and the universe, or it's behind between you and creative source. That's what really hit me. Now, what about John or Deb or High C? What do you have to say about that? Well, for me, I found that the stanza that reads, the good you do today will often be forgotten, but do good anyway, that resonated with me, um, I think, the most strongly. It was um, because today is really all that matters. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. What has passed has passed. And if you have an opportunity and a chance to do good right now, then you should. I like that, Deb. That's actually really cool. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, a, it's a gentle way of looking at the whole arch the whole arc of the of that of that sentiment is uh, it really reflects on the self and not the surroundings. And to me, that ties into how it affects or it resonated with you, Mildred Lynn, in that it isn't about you and and the other person who might feel um, you know jealousy or or cheat you or whatever. It's you and source it's you and god and that is the moment that is right now it's all that matters is what you can do and what you're doing and how you're living your life huh actually I follow, yeah sorry john go ahead no i'm just i'm just it's just this um debbie's really helping me here with something uh the statement the statement imagine that yeah i know <laughs> so rare write this date down um there's a there's when are when is it between you and God? When? Well, the only when is right now. So the easiest time to be in relation to God is in the moment. That's like the that's like the, the perfect clear channel to the divine is right now. 
which is which I never really thought of it that way before. But but as you described the way this poem makes you feel, and doing good in the moment is is such a simple proposition, and it does place you in in that relationship with the divine so easily because you don't have to think about anything else other than doing good right now. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. Yeah, and especially now when there's so many people who are feeling in their heart a need to do something for themselves or the environment or be kinder, to have more life-supporting energy into their lives, the price on that might be being misunderstood, uh, feeling alone, feeling isolated. And I would throw this out especially to people who are healers or balancers or find themselves in a, a caretaker capacity. The reason I feel that the poem is so powerful is that it provides a context for those feelings in a very proactive and positive way. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How about you, yeah. I see did you? Oh, sorry, well, I was going to say. I, I was going to say. I think that that um, speaks also to another one of the verses, and this is actually in the original version of by Kent Keith, where there's a, a verse that says, "People really need help, but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway." And I think you know, being in the moment, being in the now means don't you don't overthink if someone needs help. You don't try to analyze, is it worth helping them? Um, you know, is it okay for me to help them? What's going to happen if I do help them? One, it's more important, I think, to just remember if someone needs or asks for help, you simply help them. You don't even need to know all of the reasons why they need help versus they're simply asking for help. And it made me think of, especially being in the moment, like if, if you're out at the beach and you see someone drowning, you don't mm-hmm. stop and start thinking, well, now, should I help this person? And it makes me think of something that happened in Florida a number of months ago where a lifeguard actually got fired for saving someone who was drowning because his company, the corporation, said he had gone across the line of the beach that the corporation operates, and therefore he should not have gone across the line to help someone who was drowning outside of that space and this verse really speaks to me because it says that lifeguard didn't even think you know he just saw someone in need of help and helped regardless of what the consequence may be which would be the attack Um, you know and then and tied into that when you go and help someone who's drowning they often almost drown you because they're panicking and they they start to drag you under but again you don't think oh I'm not going to help them because they might drown me there's kind of an instinctual thing that pops in, and that's really, I think, staying in that moment where we let go of overthinking, overanalyzing, or even worrying about what the consequences may be because we recognize someone in need of help deserves to be helped regardless of what happens as a result of helping them. Mm-hmm. And, John, was there any particular verse that hit you? I know you were inspired in this moment by Deb's comments. Well, I think, yeah, give the best you have. It may never be enough. Mm -hmm. Give your best anyway. You know, I think there's a, in me, there's a desire to always, you know, well, my my mission has been to pursue mastery, 
right over over as much of the of the domain of my perception as I could possibly manage right um, and the the bottom line to that is that that there's no way I can do that because i'm I'm limited i'm uh, you know I'm human and the so there's a there's a part that speaks to this this wound in me uh that says you know what okay so you're never going to play the piano at carnegie hall okay it's okay to play the piano anyway <laughs> you know like it, it, <laughs> uh, so i pay money i would pay money to attend that <laughs> Okay, so maybe we can get, uh, you know, build a, a ground soul support. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, it, you know, it, there's, a, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of altruistic beauty in this poem. But the one that I, but what I'm pointing to in this case is not the altruistic beauty, but the kind of pain that I feel that, this poem tries to uh, tries to placate or, or be a bomb for, you know, and that's why this that one stuck out for me. It's like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you do the best you can, and it might not be enough for me, but I should do it anyway. It's not whether it's enough for somebody else; it's whether it's enough for me. Yeah, that's true. You know, as you were talking, John, about. Carnegie Hall, what came in for me is that in your life, if you show up as yourself, people may laugh at you. Show up anyway. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> <Thanks> for- <laughs> <laughs> but do you guys see this? I know that this is, is a very uh, beautiful poem. Do you feel the vibration of strength? To me, it really gives me something to hold on to in my darkest hour. And I know you guys find it impossible to think that I have dark hours. Maybe, maybe fleeting <laughs> dark minutes. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I think that it is. It, it's like the light. It's a light that shines in the darkness. Um, and because it's very, very simple, it's really just giving you permission to be who you are, to show up as who you are to give the best that you can, and it's, that's enough. Who you are is enough. And it's right now, in this moment, you're here, you're breathing, just be. Yeah, and I, it, for me, it, it seems to take some of the pressure off, you know, that, that the endeavors that I apply myself to have to, be, have, to have some lasting consequence. They have to have some, uh, some permanent impact that's visible the, to me and to others and you know the the kind of the one that breaks my heart the most is um oh where is it i guess it's in the original mm-hmm. what you spent years building may be destroyed overnight build anyway and you know when i play my favorite kind of uh computer video games are games in which i'm building something or cultivating something I can remember when when Sim City first came out, and I, that must have been in like 1989 or something like that. It's a while ago. <laughs> and and I I stayed up all night, literally all night long. I got it for Christmas, and I stayed up all night long until the following morning playing Sim City. 
And then there, there, there are other games like that, like that, like like Civilization and so on. And the the aspect of those games that I found the most frustrating and uh, it really tore me up was when some kind of natural disaster programmed into the game would come in, or some kind of belligerent neighbor in the case of civilization where you have like other civilizations that you're competing with would come in and destroy your city or your fort or something. It would just, it just would get to me and it would, it would, I would be so sad and so angry and frustrated at my helplessness in the presence of some force destroying something they had built and part into. And, uh, you know, I struggled with this, uh, both, in the in the virtual world in those games, which conveniently most of those things you can turn off, they don't have to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, John, I think you hit on a really good point because for our listeners, what I'd like to throw out there is if they chose to read this poem and there was a certain verse that really hit them, that gives them a good clue of an area that they have an opportunity to explore in their lives on a very personal level. So it's this poem would be a really good tool. Yes, just like you, you, you guys, like what we would notice is that a different verse appeals, there's four of us, and we have four different takes on it. So that speaks to what we have an opportunity to explore, at least from my perspective. You might even find too, right? There, a, a, a verse that makes you, that uplifts you, and a verse that scares you. Yeah. What about you, Hi C? How do you feel about that? Well, well, one when you were talking about, you know, does this poem give you strength or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing that really strikes me that it reminds me of is it's my choice. It's not, you know, and it kind of ties into what John was talking about. There are always going to be external factors, external conditions that may impact me or affect me in ways that I may not necessarily want or enjoy. But this poem reminds me that I always have the choice as to how I respond to those things rather than those things being the arbiter or the controller of me and my state of emotional well-being or happiness. And that's one of the verses that really strikes me is if you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous, be happy anyway. And so you're making that choice to be happy regardless of whether other people are comfortable or accepting of your happiness. And, you know, that it, it makes me think of people who will say about a person, oh, I can't be around that person too much because they're just up and happy all the time. And they assume that there's something fake about that or it makes them uncomfortable because they haven't been able to find their own happiness. And so this really reminds me that I always have the choice rather than being controlled or told how I need to be or what I can or cannot do because in the face of whatever is being told or imposed on me, I can always choose to respond in a way that is creative rather than destructive or giving up, that is happy rather than giving in to unhappiness around me or anger around me or whatever. So that's what this really um, speaks to me as, is it's the reminder of it's my choice regardless of the external. Yeah, yeah that's excellent, Heisey. And on that note, on that note, we will wind down our roundtable for today. So I'd like to thank Heisey Ludemers, 
John Carousella and Deb Carousella for being here and sharing their insights with our listeners. As always, um, we all come from four different angles. And I'd like to invite everyone to join in next week for our Firefly Willows Live Roundtable when our moderator will be Heisey Lovers. So thank you very much, guys. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Mildred. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, now. Bye. Bye-bye. And I'd like to invite our listeners and I'd like to invite our listeners to stay tuned for our show. Before we go into our next segment, I would like to play a little information on Firefly Willows, and then we will talk to Dr. Glenna Calder and Dr. Tracy Morris. Enjoying today's show? Want to share it with a friend? Or maybe you've missed one of our previous programs. Well, you can always find the archives of our past shows on fireflywillows.com slash L-I-V-E. Hi, guys. Stop by and check out Mildred Lynn McDonald's previous programs or shows from one of our other hosts, John Carousella and Heisey Lutmers. Our live call-in shows are available, too. Join us. Hello, this is Mildred Lynn McDonald, and I'm your host for Healing Conversations, live from Los Altos, California. We hope that you're enjoying the show today, and many thanks to John Carousella, Deb Carousella, and High C. Lutimers for another lively and insightful roundtable. In a few minutes, we'll head to Vancouver to chat with medical doctor and avid traveler Tracy Morris. And then we'll beam over to Halifax, Nova Scotia, to connect with naturopathic doctor and new mom, Glenna Calder. Both doctors, who just happen to be sisters, have fabulous tips about how to bring more balance into your life. What's really interesting about this healing conversation is that we've identified 10 key life areas where people, including ourselves, often struggle to find balance. So, with a bit of luck, by the end of the show, we should have about 25 to 30 balance-cultivating tips to offer for your consideration. And if you're wondering how to keep track of all these great tips, no worries. You can always access the information by listening to the recorded version of today's show on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, the Firefly Willows Live website, or at my blog, On Air Healing Conversations with Mildred Lynn. And if you like today's program, please be sure to join Dr. Calder and myself for our new Blog Talk Radio show, What's Your Prescription for Balance?, which will launch on the Firefly Willows channel on Thursday, February 7th. And now, let's welcome Dr. Glenna Calder and Dr. Tracy Morris. Tracy and Glenna, are you there? Yes. Yes, we are. So the magical question, we're going to share what's the weather like since we're all Canadians. It's cold here in Halifax. It's cold in Halifax. Okay. Any snow? Cold and gray in Vancouver. Oh, my. Well, I, I, have, to, I have to admit that here in Los Altos, it's also a little bit overcast. But I'm not going to tell you the temperature. Okay. <laughs> Probably above so, minus 13. 
He probably bought that, yes. Yes, I also tell people, when, when, when people from Nova Scotia or other parts of Canada ask me what is the weather like, I, I usually do not share that information with them after October because I want to keep my friends and relatives. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear when they're shoveling snow how nice it is in California. But they're always more than welcome to come and visit at any time. So today what we're going to do is talk a little bit about balance and how we can cultivate more balance in our lives. Glenna and Tracy and I got together a little earlier this week and we thought that a good way to do this, because we all come from different perspectives, my background is in life coaching and Glenna tends to lean more towards naturopathic medicine and Tracy is a medical doctor and we thought if the three of us got together and provided a tip each under different categories on balance that people would really appreciate that and also even better as I mentioned in the introduction you can always take this episode and play it back or share it with other people in your lives. So if you're wondering what are these 10 categories that we identified, I'd like to go through them very quickly. The first area would be work we're going to talk about. Then we're going to talk about relaxation. We're going to do a little bit of talking about playtime. We're going to bring in the body. Then we're going to talk about travel. Moving on to relationship balance, looking at your sense and source of community. If you have children in your life, we're going to talk about how to cultivate balance in that area. And last but not least, we're going to look at spiritual balance and also home or sanctuary balance. So how does that sound to you guys? Excellent. Yeah, right okay. On. And did you have a good time putting the tips together? Oh yeah, lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> when I did, when I was putting the tips together from the life coaching perspective, what I found is that I, I was really creating a, a primer for myself, something that I'd be able to take away and work work on over the next couple of months. So that was an added bonus. Glenna, did you find that that's how it kind of rolled out for you? Yeah, breaking it down into the ten areas, it kind of helps you form a, a big picture of looking at all these areas that you're always striving and modifying continuously and to try to find what works for right now. And what about you, Tracy, when you were putting yours together? Um, yeah, I thought it's a great thing to do for New Year's especially because it certainly brought to attention some of the things. As always, some things fall out of attention as you're concentrating on different aspects of your life. So it certainly brings to the forefront, again, some things that probably I should be focusing more on than, um, than what I have been. Yeah, I found it a very humbling experience for myself. What I start off with first is work, and I'll throw one on the table. For our listeners out there, maybe you're like me. Once I love my work. Once I get involved in my work, time and space disappears. I spend a lot of time on my laptop, so that simply means that I forget I have a body. What is my solution? The tip I'd like to put forward is iTunes carries a free app called Health Assistant. Basically, you download it on your laptop, and it will prompt you to take breaks. Now, I did this last week, and it, it has immediately become my new best friend. Mm-hmm. So it's 
the Health Assistant. If you go into iTunes, you can download it for free. And I'd also like to just throw in a question from a life coaching perspective for our listeners that relates to work. And the question is this. What am I doing during my work day, and how does it nourish me? If I'm feeling drained by my work day, what can I put in place to counterbalance this draining impact? And I have in brackets as I explore other alternatives. So very much in the now. So if you're, you're working and something's draining you, step back, try to observe what it is, and then like many things in life, it could be a process to shift this around, but look to see what nourishing thing you could put into your work to act as a counterbalance temporarily. So that would be my first work tip. Who wants to go next? Um, I will. Um, it's Glenna. And I'd say recently with um, – I've had a baby nine months ago, so I've had to do a lot of adjustments and modifications to my work schedule. And as a self-employed person, didn't take a full six or 12 months off, but I've, I'm continuously finding what works for me and – and I think what works is to keep changing it as my the my kids change. So I do about three days a week with my practice, and I tried four days, and it didn't feel right. I felt like I was missing too much at home and gave myself permission to kind of go back to three days temporarily and kind of reassess in six months. And I think as a mom, you always have a pull. You have a pull towards kids, and you have a pull towards work if you love your work. So I just kind of allow myself to just trial and error. Try this right now. If it doesn't work, make a, an adjustment. And I guess I have that privilege as a self-employed person to be able to make those adjustments, but I think everybody can take that into their own lives. Of Maybe they can't adjust the hours, but they could adjust something else in their life that helps, helps to feel like they're in balance. Yeah, Greta, yours and mine are pretty much – they're in the same room. I'm talking about providing a counterbalance to being drained, and you're talking about flexibility, mm-hmm. to, open, to go with the flow. That's right. How about you, Tracy? Um, well, for me, having a flexible, a flexible schedule has always been very important to me because I, I've always known that volunteering should be a, a major part of my work. And um, I've been very lucky to be able to maintain that. I um, generally can take quite a bit of time off if I need to. But when I come back to work, I tend to work quite a lot um, in Vancouver itself. And unfortunately, that always um, means some shift work as well, which, as we know, is inherently unhealthy. So um, I've learned through trial and error that there's only so much that I can do, especially when I'm working through the nights quite often. And so I have to be very careful when I'm scheduling myself to schedule in rest time from day to day. Um, And I also have to be very careful to um, not overbook myself because I do like my work, as as both of you do as well. So it's very hard to say no to opportunities as they come up, so I have to realize what's reasonable. So essentially what I have learned to do is to schedule in my rest time, my play time, and my family time um, before I schedule in everything else to make sure I have enough time to do everything. Mm -hmm. And um, in that way, with someone who has to schedule on a, every couple of month basis, um, I'm able to maintain uh, a good balance in my life and have time for everything I need to do. Yeah, that's a great point. So what I'm getting from you is prioritizing through, through scheduling. Glenna yeah. is 
going with the flow, being open and understanding that I'm in a dynamic situation, things are changing, and I need to change with the things. And mine is put, put something nourishing in to counterbalance something that might be draining. So there are three work balance tips. I think they're great. Mm, I just learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. Like, to me, I think I might steal Tracy's right away. <laughs> me too. <laughs> now, the, the second area that we'd like to offer a few hints on for our listeners' consideration is in the area of relaxation. And we, Glenn and I and Tracy talked a little bit about this, and it could be called relaxation and or release. So what I'd like to put forward from my own perspective is to anticipate and plan for times that you can't relax. Some people have a hard time turning off. I know several people come to me and we have a chat and they're still obviously revving in work mode. Even though they're in R&R, they are still on the work clock. And so what I would suggest to people who are listening who may fall into that category is to anticipate that this will happen to you. People who are A-type personalities know what I'm, I'm talking about. Now, how do I anticipate this? Because I've often fallen into that trap too because I love my work. I have a hard time turning it off. I anticipate that if I really need to relax or release, I have a little plan. Number one, I know it takes me about 15 minutes to relax. And what I usually do is I turn on YouTube and I have three songs that I listen to. One is called Stomp Dance. It's almost a chant. It's a native, a First Nations song. The other one is called Buffalo Spirit or Spirit of the Bear. And the third one is a classic piece called Bark Roll from Tales of Hoffman. Now I play these one after the other. And by the time I'm finished, I sense that my energy has shifted from work, work, work into relaxation. The question that I would invite our listeners to play with is, do I structure my day to allow for relaxation? And the second part of that would be, do I really understand my relaxation process? So as I mentioned before, I understand my relaxation process. I learned the hard way to relax, and I know I need at least 15 minutes. So that's what I'd like to offer for our listeners. How about you, Glenna? Um, I think my focus is also my message is to go in the flow because I've been trying to find little pockets of, of my day where I can get some relaxation or some release. And one of the things I like to do and I find relaxing is organizing. So if I find a 20 or 30 minute time, and often it's in the evening after kids go to bed, that's when I will organize my closet or organize for the next day. And I find it relaxing. It gives me a sense of relaxation. And the other thing I like to do is walking. So I'll go out, even if it's only a 20 minute walk, I'll go out for 20 minutes, listen to some music, or listen to some audible books. And it just it shifts me out of that go, go, go mode, what, what's got to be done, what's got to be done next, and what's going on tomorrow into the now. And I think just moving and getting the blood flowing really helps me to relax. So, Glenna, do you know, if I was going to ask you now, how long it would take you to relax? Do you know that? Mm, I'd say about 20 minutes. 20 minutes to relax. Okay. Yeah. And do you actively anticipate that 
you need to relax, so I need to put this in place. Plan for relaxation. That's what I'm really trying to say. Do you find that you do that? I'm definitely more aware of it than I used to be because it was easier, I think, probably three or four years ago to because I was really active at the sports, so I would always get that because I would have a book time where I would play Ultimate Frisbee or something like that, whereas now I don't have those pre-book times. So I've got to mentally throughout the day I know, okay, where's my pocket? I'm always on the, I guess, on the hunt for it. So, and I notice if it doesn't happen, then the next day I notice. So then I, so I have to get better at pre-scheduling it and kind of making it a priority. But right now it seems to work where I just kind of, I'm always open for my little pockets. <laughs> when, well, if you make the choice not to relax or become distracted, you're saying you know this the next day. What do you know this? Um, I would say I'm more, even more um, type A the next day. I'm a little bit more tense because I didn't get that 20 minutes the day before, mm-hmm. so it was a little bit harder, and then it would take me even longer to actually relax then. Yeah. And it so wouldn't come on as quickly. Kind of like a, a cumulative effect, isn't it? Exactly. It, cumulative effect in the wrong direction. Yeah, that's so what? if you get a little bit every day, that's, yeah. it's enough, but if you don't do it for a few days, I find you need a little bit more. Yeah, yeah that's an excellent point. What about you, Tracy? How does relaxation show up in your life? Um. I'm a fairly intense person, so um, for me to relax is a well, it's important. It's a very rare thing. Um, generally, what I do is I um, I tend to relax when I'm exhausted. It's mm-hmm. uh, something that's almost forced upon me, which which is fine. I like to go go go, and being relaxed isn't something that I necessarily seek so much as uh, rejuvenation or re-energizing myself. It's when I'm exhausted that I'm kind of like I I need to figure out how to get that energy back, how to get my focus back, and as Glenn has touched upon, sports are a great way to do that. Personally, um, I play hockey two or three times a week, and it's a very intense sport, and I can't think about anything else when I'm doing it. So it's a perfect way for me to get out there and just release the day into the universe or whatever. And I finished my game. Uh, I can laugh with uh, my teammates and just kind of sit back and say, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and I'm completely happy right now, and nothing else is on my, on my plate at the moment. So for me, um, having an activity where you know that you can dedicate yourself to it at a particular time and having a scheduled time for it is a really, really important thing if you have a very busy schedule and if you have a very heavy uh, work type as well. Yeah. Now, Tracy, do you, do you have a number where you would say, it takes me this long to relax? Oh, it's really variable. It depends on how my day has yeah. been, to be honest. Like okay. I can have uh, a day with several challenging patients and it can take a long time for me to shake that off. And it can be a certain circumstance that I have to, like I might have to um, um, work through that situation in my head before I can relax or maybe mm-hmm. I just have to go out and, you know, um, play a game of hockey, relax with a friend and it might be just um, half an hour. It really depends on the situation and how I'm feeling at the time. So it, it also depends on how much sleep I've had, how much, how well I've eaten recently, all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, especially for people who have very demanding, very stressful, very active schedules. Mm-hmm. And yeah. exactly, if I've had a night shift a few nights before that, a challenging day is much harder to get through, and relaxation is much harder to find. So yeah. it's something that I always have to check in with and kind of know about myself if I'm having a tough day. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's really good. Now, the next area is play, the play balance tip. 
And when we're talking about play, we're talking about play in terms of incorporating creativity and a sense of wonder, that type of play. What I've observed, and maybe Glenn and Tracy have observed this too, and maybe the listeners have observed it, is that society doesn't seem to value play as much as an adult, which is a real shame because it's one of those things that we can do for ourselves that make time and space disappear. And when I talk to different people and I talk about playing, they feel it could be frivolous or I could be doing something more productive. And the other interesting point is that they look at play with a judgment. I can play after I get this done or playing is this or playing is that. And the reason I I bring this up is because I'd like to invite our listeners when we're throwing and when we're talking about playing do you look at play? I look at play as like, oh, yeah, wow, let's go play. Someone else might be there saying, oh, yeah, I'd love to play. If, I, if there were 48 hours in the day, I might consider it. So pay attention to how your body and how your mind and your spirit is reacting to when we give our tips on playing, to when Glenna gives her tip and when Tracy gives her tip. That's really important. It will show you where you are with the play vibration. And the other thing I'd like to mention is that as an adult in society today, you may have forgotten how to play. So what I'd love to do is suggest that you talk to an expert, an expert like a child or a pet, because they haven't forgotten how to play. And the question I'd like to throw out there for our listeners is, how much playtime do I need in my life every day? Myself, I need about one and a half hours of playtime to maintain and sustain balance. So in real life, I'm at 45 minutes, and my goal is to get up to an hour and a half. How about you, Glenda? Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I want to put out there that, that <laughs> you might not be good to play, and it might not come easy, but I think you've got to practice at whatever you need, want to become good at. I was recently just watching my son, Luke, who's nine months, and I was looking going, wow, he spends most of his day playing. Although, in, he inter- like kind of weaves in learning and exploring in that. So play is what's going on all the time with him, but he's, he's learning from that. And I thought, wow, it's so interesting how we just shift that. At some point in our life, mm-hmm. play goes down to zero for some people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. from every minute of waking, whether you're not eating or sleeping, to zero, and I think, wow, how does that happen, and why does that happen? So I'm, I'm working at play, and I recently realized that what I like to do now is completely different than I would have said a few years ago. And one of the things I, may, I like to do now is just shop. I didn't used to like to shop, and mm-hmm. it's not even just to buy purchasings. It's more just that, to find out what I like, what styles I like. And it's not for house things or baby things or children things. It's more just female things like jewelry. I just like to look at jewelry, look what's out there, look how it's made and who makes it and who designs it. And the reason I know that's playful is because I'm not looking for an end result. Anything else I do, I'm looking for an end result, whether it's, even if it's going to Pilates, I'm looking to get healthier and to get stronger. Whereas play, I'm just in the moment and it doesn't matter if I buy anything or not or what the outcome is. So to me, that's the, that's the true test of is, is this playful? 
And how much how much playtime would you say you need every day? I know this is this is controversial. Oh. What would you say? Because I because I know when I said one point five hours, many people out there <laughs> must have had a chuckle at that. But then, as you spoke to when you were observing your little one playing so much, there's obviously a strong link to being in the present with playing and learning and sense of wonder. So how much playtime do you you feel that you would benefit from? I would benefit from probably about 30 minutes. Okay. Yeah. And on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being really highly valued, where would you rank play, honestly? For for personal, personally how I would rank it? Yeah, for you. It's climbing quickly over the last few months. (laughs) Um, I would... Probably about eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And why is it climbing quickly? Why is it shifting? Um, I think when you, like anything in your life, if you dive into something full on, and I kind of dove into motherhood the last two and a half years, having two children, I realized that to be better at my job, to be a better mom, to be a better uh, sibling, to be a better wife, I need to find my own playtime. Because if mm-hmm. not, then my energy quickly drains. So to really charge, recharge quickly, um, 20 minutes of playtime can get me back, and I feel, mm-hmm. feel really rejuvenated. Okay, so if anybody lives in the Halifax area, you'll probably see Glenna wandering around Spring Garden Road, going <laughs> in every shop and examining the jewelry with a big smile on her face. That's right. <laughs> now, what about you, Tracy? How does play show up in your life? Um. Play can be very fleeting in my life. It all depends on how much time I can give it. But um, play to me is generally a creative relief more than anything else. Um, and it can be something as simple as just, you know, um, writing a thought down in a five-minute interval during my day. It can be joking around with my colleagues. It can be um, even if some night I feel like baking something different or making something different for supper, that doesn't uh, usually hit my plate. It's basically a, a way for me to not really care what the outcome of something is and mm-hmm. to um, uh, kind of express myself in, in a way that expands me a little bit. So uh, it's very important. Um, it's, I mean, it's also something that can be expressed in the sports that I do or in the activities that I seek out. Um, but it's certainly not something that forms as much of my day as it probably should. Okay, and how would you, in terms of valuing it, like on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 would be highly valued. How, where would you put play at? Well, um, because play is so important in terms of um, the social aspects of your life, I'd probably put it up in the 9 or 10 range, simply mm-hmm. because um, quite often play is a very um, social, very interactive, very developmentally important um, activity. Mm-hmm. So. I, I think that play encourages us to seek the good in other people and to seek ways of connecting with other people um, that are different than what you're forced to do on a daily basis. And I'm going to throw this question out to both Glenna and Tracy because you both see patients as, as part of your as the main part of your job. Do you ever have people come into your practice saying, "Doctor, I'd like to play more. Please help me." <laughs> Not in those words. Exactly. <laughs> but I do hear that, whether they're saying that or not. <laughs> wow, that's interesting, isn't it? And the, I think the more resistant we are to it, the more we all know that's when we really need it. 
Exactly, exactly. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the next item on our list, which is body balance. So I'd like to invite our listeners to stay tuned, and we'll be back with Glenna, and we'll be back with Tracy in just a moment. We told you we were expanding. Tune in to the Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring Firefly Willow's L-I-V-E favorite, Heisey Lutmers, and his co-host, Charlie Harrington, on the second Tuesday evening each month. And get ready for two more shows. Starting in February, join us for A Shamanic Life, hosted by John Carousella. On the first and third Tuesdays each month at 8 p.m., John will bring together leaders and explorers in neo-shamanism. Practical and practiced, his guests are not just doing shamanism, they're living it. And don't miss What's Your Prescription for Balance with Mildred Lynn McDonald and Dr. Glenna Calder, the first Thursday evening of each month. We're excited. Give us a listen as we provide new and entertaining ways for you to shine your inner light. All right, we're back. And you're still with us, Glenna and Tracy. Yep, I am. You didn't take off. You didn't take off. <laughs> All right, let's move into body balance, and I'll I'll give you my two cents worth on this. And Glenna has a little bit to do with this story. I remember I was in Toronto, maybe about three or four years ago, and Glenna happened to be there too. She was at. We were both at the same conference. Over a cup of tea, Glenna said to me, "Are you friends with your body?" And I immediately, without blinking, answered an enthusiastic, yes, of course I am. What I later realized, uh, because that question stayed with me, just like Mother Teresa's poem stayed with me, this question really stayed with me, and I guess that's the, the sign of a truly good, compelling question. What I realized is that although I was friends with my body, I was taking my body for granted, like a good old steadfast friend who's always there, and, and maybe a friend who asks for nothing in return. And I explored it a little further, and I realized that, well, that's not really a sustainable, healthy friendship, you know, especially for my body. My body was on the losing end. How did I feel about that? So over the next couple of months, I started to talk with my body, which was an entirely 100% new experience for me. And it took me a couple of years, but I became better at listening to my body. Now, I still have my enthusiastic nature, which manifests in enthusiastic treatments for my body. And my latest one was uh, an overindulgence in probiotics, which caused some quite interesting internal workings. (laughs) uh, But what I'd like to throw out there for our listeners is is to explore, do you live in your head or do you live in your body? And I, I'd also like to, to repeat Glenna's question, are you friends with your body? And if you are friends with your body, what does that look like? Maybe you're in an unbalanced friendship where you're assuming your body will be there all the time for you and you're not really nourishing it. So that would be my tip. Are you a friend to your body? And do you live in your head or do you live in your complete body? How about you, Glenna? Hmm. Um, I would say right now um, I'm getting 
I'm trying to get the balance back to be to living in my my head and my body. After having a baby, you know, it's I would say an out of body experience. <laughs> it's you go with less sleep um, on a daily basis, and sleep wasn't something I I never valued before before having kids. I if I had extra time, I would always take advantage of that in terms of oh great, I can go for a walk, I could go for a run, I could get in the yoga class, and I would go that way. Whereas now, because of the lack of sleep I had for a few months there, sleep is the number one thing that my body needs to get back in balance. So anytime I've got, um, say, half an hour where my kids are sleeping or my husband gives me the okay that he's he's on dad duty, I go in and I have a nap. And when I wake up, I feel basically the way exercise used to make me feel, that I'm back in balance, that I'm refreshed. So, yeah, that's my number one priority right now for my body. Now, do you find in your practice that people come in with sleep problems? Many, many, many. There's, okay. I'm surprised at how many people don't sleep enough. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's kind of an epidemic now that people are finding a hard time going to bed when their body's tired. But, you know, after 9 o'clock, I think that's when most people kind of do their the things they like to do or sometimes it's TV or sometimes it's surfing the Internet. And I think when we get tired like that, we get a little bit mindless. And some people can do that for two or three hours a night and the time flies. And then, But they've got to get up at the same time every morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's almost like clicker fever. You're just clicking throughout the channels and time yeah. goes away. And, but that's very precious sleep time that your body could use to regenerate itself. That's right, and that's mm-hmm. as we get tired, it's really hard to discipline ourselves to go, okay, shut down, shut off, let's start making our way to bed, because our body needs that transition time of a little while, you know, between doing something productive and active to being asleep. Now, do you feel that we're a little disconnected from nature's rhythms, and that could throw off our sleep also? Definitely, because we have this artificial light, so we're not, our body isn't getting those natural signals that it's it's dark out and things like that. So one of the tips many sleep experts give is to try to start lowering your lights or start shutting off the TV and the screens so that your body's getting the message that sleep is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Now, Glenna, do you talk to your body like I talk to mine? Mm, I'm recently starting to do that about sleep. I actually put in my mm-hmm. iPhone at 9.30 at night, okay, start winding down. Oh, so you I'm that. Beat. You put that message. Yeah, my phone beeps, like a message comes in, I look at it, and it it will actually say, okay, start winding down. And, you know, I'll resist it and say, ah, now I could keep doing what I'm doing, but it's there. And then I have it set 15 minutes later, go to bed, and these are the reasons. To kind of remind oh. myself, oh, yeah, this is why I want to go to bed, because I want to have good focus tomorrow. I want to have better energy tomorrow. Oh, that's right. And it's working. So when you- so when you programmed your phone, how did you do that? Did, is it there's a little program or is it just it's an event simply? that pops up? Okay, so for our listeners out there, you can you too can program an event on your cell phone or even on your laptop to prompt you to help to to help you move towards the winding down state. I love it. That's a great idea. A good idea. Hint number number. Body balance for stolen from Glenna. <laughs> <laughs> Incorporated into my life on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about you, Tracy? How's the body balance on your end? 
Well, um, I think the important thing is the body will often tell you when you're getting out of balance. And that's one thing that I've learned is that um, you have to listen to its signals. Um, quite often the mind will tell you via physical symptoms what's going on with it. So, for example, if I, I've been working really hard. I mean, recently I very stupidly took on a 14-day uh, in a row work project, and it was just simply because something came up in the middle of um, – or after I'd scheduled some time with uh, my ward that I didn't want to turn down, I ended up working quite a lot. So, of course, by the eighth or ninth day, I was getting very tired. And when you're focused on doing your work, when you're um, focused on um, kind of getting through what you have to get through for the day, you don't really think about um, how your mind's doing, how your body's doing in terms of exhaustion, in terms of um, if it needs fuel and things like that. So I often get a little message from my body via a sore throat that I need to kind of stop what I'm doing and take a rest. And so um, I've learned <laughs> over time that as soon as that comes on, I have to learn what I need to do, get that done, and then put off what I have, what I can put off so that I can get my rest and rejuvenate for, you know, the upcoming days. So um, I, I tend to um, appreciate my body because I am fairly healthy and I completely appreciate that um, it allows me to do the things that I want to do, my surfing, my hockey, um, my traveling, and I have to listen to what it tells me in order to continue to to function as well as I do. So the little symptoms and the little signals that I get, I listen to very closely. Okay. And with your practice, do you find that your your patients are coming in with, they also have little signals and symptoms? Quite often. I have a very interesting patient practice because, as you know, I work in um, the realm of HIV. Uh, we have a lot of people who uh, come from different cultures and come mm-hmm. from uh, backgrounds of significant trauma. And quite often that trauma will pop up as a physical symptom that we cannot find no matter how much, much we investigate. Mm-hmm. And it quite often turns out that it's a psychological problem that needs a lot more intensive therapy than the patient realizes even as we start to kind of dig through the the different details of it. So um, you learn very quickly that the body is a messenger that that says a lot of very important things about where attention is needed in your life. Now, do you talk to your body? Um, I talk to my body. I communicate in various ways, mm-hmm. like um, in terms of how I feed my body. I, I talk to myself in terms of how I'm feeling and say, try to search back to say, did I do something improper? Like, did I not sleep properly recently, um, have I not fueled myself properly, and <laughs> quite often I can, if I'm not quite feeling right, I can figure, figure out exactly what I did uh, in the past to kind of bring that on. Yeah, that's, that's excellent guidance, and the reason I keep asking do you talk to your body, to both you and Glenna, is because I know when that concept was introduced to me, it was life-changing. So I'm sure there's people out there who've never entertained the idea of talking to their body or communicating with their body. And I'd like to add one more point that came in as you were talking, Tracy. It's that head time and body time are in two different time zones almost. We have an unrealistic expectation of how long our body should be out of kilter or our body should be unwell, which is not necessarily in tune with nature. Glenda, you could probably speak to that a little bit. About the body symptoms. Um, Well, there's many different... I guess first I want to point out that everybody's got different symptoms. Like Tracy mentioned her sore throat. 
Mm-hmm. And some people get more irritable. Some people, if they have, a, say, a chronic condition, that will start to flare up. Some people, their sleep goes. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of depends. Everybody has a, I think everybody does have something that will kind of try to get our attention. And we can mm-hmm. ignore it. I mean, it's pretty easy to ignore. We all know that if we're, we don't want to ignore it or it's not convenient for us to ignore it. But if you do kind of stop and do a little assessment on yourself, you'll you'll find kind of a, a weak link that will show itself when we're not listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and, and once again, Glenn, I'd like to thank you for asking me that question, are you friends with your body, a couple of years ago, because that really hit me, hit me big time, made oh, big that's change. So <laughs> thank you for that. Now, the next area, travel, is an area that I know Tracy's very well versed in, so I can't wait to see what her tips are so I can steal them. Glenn, I know you love to travel, and I've, I've done a bit of traveling myself. When I was preparing for our time together, what came into me in terms of travel balancing is uh, give yourself lots of time to arrive at places and then have a nice cup of tea. So what I've learned to do is value and integrate that cup of tea stage into my travel schedule. So basically, if I have to catch a flight, I work in an extra 30 minutes or 45 minutes so I can have that nice cup of tea. And I found that it makes a world of difference. So instead of making it, oh, yeah, if I get there and through security at the airport, then I'll have a cup of tea. No, 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 no. That cup of tea is just as important, that 30 minutes downtime, as any other part of the critical path of the travel experience. So what I'd like to throw out to our listeners after listening about my experience with a cup of tea is am I open to new ideas and perspectives about travel and how I travel? So that would be what I'd like to bring forward. How about you, Glenna? Hmm. I think what makes traveling fun for me now is definitely not going with the flow. I've learned that um, with having a family that I have much more fun and I relax more if I'm traveling and it's more enjoyable for everyone if certain arrangements are there, that if we have a good sleep arrangement for everybody, okay. I'm going to enjoy the trip more. If we have, um, say, for example, we go on vacation, if we go on a vacation that's not child friendly, no one's going to enjoy it. So we've done we've gone to Florida, for example, in the past, and we'll probably go again. And what works for us is because we can control the sleep arrangements. We'll have a place where we can cook our food so that our kids are having good, healthy, and regular meals. And then that will be our home base. And then we can fit in things that each of us enjoy. Like my husband can golf, I can get in some yoga, and we can take we have say something for kids close by, like a swimming pool. And that kind of equals everybody's happy, everybody's rested, and that's a good vacation. Whereas we've had, I've had to change the way I travel pretty drastically, as you, anyone can imagine, the last few years. So in terms of I used to be more go with the flow. I'd, one trip, for example, I went to Hawaii with um, one of my other sisters and a friend, and we literally would just book a night in advance and go there. So it was 14 nights, and we just did it night by night, and it was great. Obviously, that wouldn't work right now for me. <laughs> so, but I, because I've adjusted that, I enjoy the trips just as much. And with, with your travel, do you find that other people are taking the same approach that you are now that they have children? Do you find that's the conversation? or? 
Well, not everybody. And I have to say I mm-hmm. admire people that don't that don't need to put out to put those I guess things in place. And if they can go more carefree and more um go more in the flow, that's great because some people are able to do that. For me, I've just making this I made this choice to kind mm-hmm. of put things in place because that's what I feel will help me enjoy the trip more. Okay, good point. How about you, Tracy? I know that you travel a whole lot. So what do you have to offer for listeners? Well, um, travel for me, um, it really depends on the trip. But for the most part, um, I always look forward to it in terms of reconnecting with different people, um, learning about a new environment, and kind of learning again about different environments, um, nature, and um, getting to know the different aspects of the natural world. So um, when I travel, depending on how long I'm going to be in a place, I, I like to actually plan and strategize to explore the place and to kind of hit the things that I um, I really want to take out of my experience. So for me, more so than planning what I'm going to take and all of that, that I kind of have down. I'm a pretty experienced traveler. But mm-hmm. I like to actually look into uh, where I'm going and what's really important for me to take out. The things that I do plan about my time there um, in terms of what I'm taking are the things that I need to maintain balance when I'm away. So in other words, um, what items do I need to take to uh, maintain a good schedule um, that will help me get on the time zone really quickly, uh, that will keep me exercising, that will um, keep my diet in check as well, depending on where I'm going and what food might be available there. I think of all of that stuff so that when I get there, for the most part, it's going to be a smooth transition. And I find that that's been really, really beneficial, especially when traveling, like, to a time zone that's, you know, four or more hours different than when I'm, where I'm coming from. So things like melatonin, uh, your multivitamins, and meal replacements, if you're going to have a hard time finding um, a new cuisine, have been very helpful to me. So, so do you have, like, a little kit that you would have at, at the ready, so to speak? I do. I take a jump rope okay. with me. I take um, a certain amount of multivitamins. I calculate how long I'm going to be there and maybe take a few mm-hmm. extra. Um, I take a little bit of melatonin, and I usually find people who really very much want it on the other end, so I rarely take it back with me. But um, it, that goes along with me just to adjust the travel times. And in case I have to stay in a very noisy neighborhood or something like that, it's quite helpful as well. Um, yeah, so I have a little bit of a kit, but I know kind of instantly the stuff that I that I want to take and that I want to have on hand when I get there. And the, the melatonin, for our listeners who have never heard of this, how does that help you? Um, melatonin is a natural substance that um, that does peak as you're going to sleep. So if you add mm-hmm. a little bit more supplementation, especially if your body's not in gear for that particular time zone, you'll mm-hmm. actually lull yourself to sleep at a more appropriate time once you arrive. Okay. And have you guys experienced people saying, I went on vacation, but I need a vacation for my vacation? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I imagine we've all experienced that along the happy trail. (laughs) And with people being able to afford travel and travel destinations, everything is so accessible. Travel as a balance tip is something important for people to think about in advance. That's that's how I look at it. I don't know if you would look at it the same way, but but travel is, is part of our lifestyle pretty well. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, our next question 
uh, or and tip is in the area of relationships, balancing, maintaining, sustaining relationships. So what I'd like to offer for our listeners in this category is uh, to observe what drains you and observe what nourishes you in your relationships every day. And this really means that you step backwards, uh, sorry, step back, hey, maybe, maybe that was a Freudian slip, <laughs> step backwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, what it really means is that you step back and give yourself maybe about 10 or 15 minutes a day. You could journal about it. You could just quietly contemplate what time of the day did you feel drained and what times of the day did you feel nourished or in balance? And look at that over a period of one to two weeks, and I'm sure you're going to find some patterns. So what you'd want to look for is, if I'm around this person, I feel really tired. Or I'm around this person, I feel refreshed. I felt tired, and I had this great conversation, I feel refreshed. Or I'm around this person, and I feel... I feel pretty well the same. I feel like I wasn't giving any energy. I wasn't taking any, any energy. So keep track of that. And also look at, very simply, if you have a deep sense that some of your relationships are out of balance or out of kilter, do you feel like you're the one always giving? Or do you feel like you're the one always receiving? Or do you feel like a yo-yo? <laughs> some relationships make you feel like a yo-yo. You get positive reinforcement, and then you get negative reinforcement. And you really don't know which you're going to get. So they would be little hints on what to look for when you're seeing what, what drains you and, and what doesn't drain you. And the other area that's kind of intriguing is to explore how much time you're actually putting into nurturing relationships. And this would be important for people who are mobile. I know for myself, I tend to live in Nova Scotia, the Ottawa, Gatineau, Ontario region, and in California. So when you step back and look at it and think about it, there's three pods, three pods of relationships, three pods of people that need love and nourishing and attention. How do you keep that all going and not feel like a stove with pots boiling over? So that's another thing that I'd offer our listeners. And Glenna, do you have anything to say about balancing relationships? Hmm. Yeah, I've, I guess when I've looked, when I was preparing for this, I looked at what relationship or relationships do I need to prioritize now. Mm-hmm. And one that definitely came up was that what I want to prioritize and want to nourish a little bit more is my marriage. Having mm-hmm. two, killed, two kids so quick, um, I found after having one, there was a little bit of an adjustment, but having two, you know, you're you're loneless with yourself, so that's a huge relationship to kind of redefine, and also with your partner, because although you're physically together in the same house, and there's a lot of time there where we're all together as a family, there's very little time where it's just the two of us together, and you have to really, and I've heard this before and kind of been... But you, like anything else, you have to go through it first to really start to perk up and listen to the, the words of advice you've heard in the past or stories you've heard in the past. So one of the things we've decided to do is really make sure that there's a time where it's just the two of us. And we tried a few different things, and I found personally what did not work were things like going out to dinner and just eating because it's something that you do anyway. You, you do mm-hmm. it times a day or four times a day. So it wasn't anything different we'd go out we'd kind of go through the motions and then boom back home and then get ready for the next day so when you're tired and you've got little an infant and a toddler 
you can easily just go through the motions. But then we realized doing something different, like, for example, going skating together, to change it up really meant that, A, we, plan, we had to plan it. So it, it took more of our attention, which is a good thing. And we had to plan together and decide what do we really want to do. And so that's what seemed to work for us, is doing something new or doing something physical and not just going to a movie or going to dinner because it's easily, for me, it can easily, I just went through the motions, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is good. I'll just get to relax and kind of get out of the house. Where now we look at it, it's like, oh, great. Um, Next Thursday evening we have a babysitter and we're going skating on an outdoor rink. So that's, to me, it's really nourishing our relationship and it's, it's, it kind of recharges us as parents, too. Yeah. You know, when you were talking about going out and eating, I remember I remember thinking, how many of these events, together events, I guess you could call them, are influenced by, by what society or advertising tells us mm. is, a, is a good relationship nourisher? I agree with you. I, I know that going out to dinner is probably one of my least, um, exciting things to do in terms of a relationship. And I, when I was younger, I did it. And I was there and I was sitting there. It was like, ho-hum, ho-hum, I'm kind of bored. Mm-hmm. And then it took me a while to go into, well, of course you're bored because you just watched that TV commercial that had it all set up that you're going out to dinner. But that's not you. That's really not you. You might enjoy going to a concert. You might enjoy, go with, in your relationship, you might enjoy going, you like, you like going skating. I might enjoy reading a book with someone else in the room. So how much of what we assume or how much of what we think is nourishing a relationship is not coming from us. Mm-hmm. But it's coming from an external source. And maybe for our listeners, they're relating to what we're saying, and it's an excellent opportunity for them to go inside and really connect or, or click into what makes them happy and fulfilled in terms of an activity to balance a relationship. How does that sound, Glenna? That's great. I think that you hit on it, is that what makes, and you can take that with any area of your life, you always got to know what's going to make you happy and what's going to make you feel alive in whatever you're trying to nourish, whether it's work, play, body, or relationships, and to make sure that we're not just kind of mindlessly going into what we're told is going to work for us. Yeah. And how about you, Tracy? How do you feel about balance in relationships? Well, um, what you could have said is very interesting because I hadn't really thought about the relationship with myself, although I have kind of integrated it into my my thoughts around it. Um, Essentially, my relationships are multifaceted, especially because I travel so much, and I tend to travel alone when I'm volunteering. So I have to forge new relationships as I get to different places. And uh, especially with volunteer work, it's extremely important to um, to relate to the people that you're working with um, who are from different cultures, coming from a very different place, and often have um, very historical reasons for how they work in a certain way that is foreign to you. And so you have to... Um, really be open to the styles of communications that will tell you um, why there's discrepancies in your practice versus theirs and and how you can uh, make things work harmoniously. And it's, it's really important um, to me to be able to uh, have very positive relationships, both when I'm entering a place where I'm volunteering and when I'm exiting to leave a positive feeling um, of my presence behind. So... Um, to me, getting a balance there um, really 
really tends to help the patients that I'm working with, and it does help the workplace environment and hopefully improves it even after I've left. Um, the balance part um, I find very interesting. Um, I, because I'm an introvert, um, I really need to prepare myself, especially after work when I'm engaging with people that I know, when I'm making the connections with friends and family. I almost have to uh, make plans so that I can honor them because I tend to want to um, retreat home and uh, re-energize by being with myself. And when I have plans, I, I know that, especially after a challenging day, I have to sit down and check in kind of scan myself for how I'm feeling about uh, the day, how I'm feeling about um, where I'm at in a particular moment. And I find that if I do that, if I acknowledge that I'm feeling tired or that I'm feeling um, a bit unhappy about how my day went or something like that, I can actually file it away and go into the relationship or go into my interaction with a much more um, clear head and ready for um, a more positive interaction. Yeah. Now, Tracy, you alluded to your volunteer work um, several times. Can you share with our listeners what that volunteer work is? Because I know it's so important to you. Yeah, um, my volunteer work uh, has been through uh, a local group of uh, Vancouver doctors who do HIV work in Vancouver. We've gotten mm-hmm. together and we've worked on several projects abroad. Two of them have been in the Sutu, um, which is a country right in the middle of South Africa in the Drakensberg Mountains, and one has been in Kenya through the FACES project um, through the University of San Francisco, and one has uh, just most recently, this September, I went to Guyana with uh, an Ottawa organization who also is involved in HIV work, where I worked in a community health clinic that provided health care to everyone, not just HIV positives. So mm-hmm. um, I usually spend four weeks to six weeks in these locations, and work as a dedicated uh, volunteer alongside local health practitioners. Yeah. It sounds like you have to hit the ground running in terms of relationships. Like when you go into a spot, you need to have your wits about you, understand the lay of the land, and be able to weave in and out of these relationships to perform yeah. your job. Yeah. Absolutely. And one thing that you appreciate when you're going into these things is how open people are to accepting you. Sometimes there are some walls up, and I understand that now. Um, you learn that there's um, that people are guarded for various reasons, but for the most part, um, if you're open, they'll accept you very openly. And uh, it's been a real, it's always a learning experience to go to a different country, and I always appreciate what another culture offers me because it's it's a real gift. Yeah, that's that's wonderful, Tracy, and, and thank you for doing that work, that wonderful volunteer work. It's, oh, it's my pleasure. It comes it comes in as is very courageous, and it also comes in as you're not afraid to roll your sleeves up and and tackle what needs to be tackled. So that's very admirable. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, what I'd love to do is give our listeners a little break. During the little break, you are going to be treated to a song from Robert Cotter called Hope All River Falls. And right after that, we'll be back with uh, Dr. Glenna Calder and Dr. Tracy Morris, where we'll explore a little bit more on how to bring balance in sense of community, spirit, and home and sanctuary. How does that sound, Glenna and Tracy? Excellent. All right. Well, we'll catch up with you in a few minutes. All right, we're going to play the song Hope Bell River Falls, and hopefully that everybody will enjoy it, and we'll be off in a few moments. Here we go. 
We hope you're enjoying this broadcast of Firefly Willows L-I-V-E on Blog Talk Radio. For information on Firefly Willows, please explore our website, fireflywillows.com, or like us on Facebook. back with Dr. Glenna Calder in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Dr. Tracy Morris in Vancouver, British Columbia. What we're going to do now is we're going to look at bringing more balance into your life. In the first part of the show, we provided tips in various areas, and now we're moving on to our final segment, where we'll be, oh, excuse me, where we'll be talking about community, spirit, and Homer Sanctuary. So I'd like to welcome Glenna and Tracy back to the show. Hi, Mildred. Hi. So how are you feeling? Great. I feel like I'm in a good community here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now the area that we're going to explore a little bit is our seventh category called community. Now, this has been a a big one personally for me because I tend to be a little left to center and out there a little bit hanging on the branch of a tree. So for about two years, I went around looking for community because I found basically that I wasn't having the type of conversation that I wanted to be having in my life which really means that I was having, a lot of my day was filled up talking about stuff that didn't matter to me. And it was a huge revelation when I realized that this was actually what was going on. So it made me 
explore the type of community that I was involved in and set me up or set the scene for finding a community that I could relate to in a, in a better way. In a better way meaning showing up as authentically as I can as myself. And as you could imagine, it was somewhat of a comical process because I thought I would be able to accomplish this in at least a month, if not a month, maybe six weeks. So the universe did not have the same agenda as I had, and it turned out to be a little longer a process than I thought. So the other thing about finding your community or balancing yourself within a community is understanding that community is based on the foundational vibration of belonging. And if you don't have a sense of belonging, you often feel like you're an outsider or you don't fit in. And really, you're not an outsider and you really do fit in. It's just that you need to find the people and community that you do fit in with. So my tip to our listeners in terms of finding community balance would be to recognize that it may take a little while to find your community and how you know that you're in the community that will sustain and support and value and cherish and appreciate you can be defined by having the type of conversations that you like to have or you want to have. So my question would be, the takeaway for the community or balance tip would be, do you feel a sense of community today in your life? And if you don't, are you ready and committed to devoting some time and energy to finding your community or finding your people? Glenna, how about you? What do you have to say about community? Um, I think one point, one thing I've learned is, it might even be on the flip side is that there's a new community waiting for you with open arms, but it might be difficult to let go of your old community. So because it might associate that with losing connection with those people. So for me, when I became a mom, it was difficult. I shouldn't say difficult. It was I didn't want to leave my friends behind that they didn't have family life, but I also knew they didn't want to be hearing about sleep schedules and um, introducing solid foods and breastfeeding, those weren't too exciting for my friends or colleagues that didn't have children. So I, had, I wanted to respect that. But I also had a need to discuss that with, with, with somebody. So as I saw a new community coming in, I, I had to learn how to juggle two different communities and two communities that didn't want to overlap. Um, so I, I guess I chose to kind of move into a new community, but knowing that I would still hold on to certain friendships and maybe, you know, not have time for certain friendships as much right now in my life, but that there would be a time again where I'd have a little bit more time where I could choose to to be with certain people. So basically to kind of go with what's going on now in your life and know mm-hmm. that you need, certain, you need support for what's going on right now. It kind of reminds me of something my father said to me, gosh, maybe about 10 or 15 years ago. He said, people weave in and out of your life. Mm. So at different times in your life, different people or different communities are more present than others. But it doesn't mean the others are gone. It just means that, he just put it so nicely, sometimes people weave in and out of your life. That made a lot of sense to me. And it sounds to me a little bit like what you're saying. Yeah, and I've had to kind of realize that, that it's not, <clears throat> doesn't have to be a bad thing, that, you know, it's not, it's, the relationship isn't supporting both people, then maybe you take a little bit of a step back and then maybe 
that is how the relationship will stay forever, or maybe you take a step forward in that relationship later in a year or two, if it's going to be nourishing for both of you. That makes a lot of sense. And how about you, Tracy? What's your take on community balance? Well, um, I had to think about it for a while, honestly, because um, the idea of community is um, a pretty basic one, but it's not really one that I've thought about as part of my life for a long time. When I think of community, I always think back to where I was growing up, like a small town, Cape Breton a community. But when I thought about it, it really does extend to your workplace community. It extends to um, the community of friends that you belong to. And certainly um, when I go somewhere, when I travel, I become part of that community in some way or other, even if it's only on the fringe. And I've always thought of um, being part of the community as being an active part and kind of um, trying to figure out your role in that. But it doesn't really have to be. Certainly certainly just um, being part of whatever uh, that community is is an active role in itself, and certainly there's con- contributions that can be made more or less actively. But um, for me, some communities de- demand a lot of you, and the important thing has always been to determine what what priorities I had as being part of that community and focusing on those rather than being drawn into um, certain things that either didn't interest me or I didn't prioritize enough to um, devote that much time to. So that's that was and is often my struggle. Um, one of the things I thought about as well is just um, being more passive part of the community can be a very rewarding thing. And one thing that I thought about that immediately came to mind was um, in one of my workplaces, um, there's a very strong um, Aboriginal component to healthcare there. And it's a very special thing. Once a month, um, this particular clinic gets together with other Aboriginal um, departments and communities. and they share lunch. One one component will bring lunch, and there's always an Aboriginal healer or Aboriginal um, person who will perform a blessing at the beginning of the meeting, which is usually educational or will um, focus on a particular Aboriginal concern. And what that does is it draws us all into feeling like we're there together, like we're we're mm-hmm. in the same environment. And it's it's so strong. You don't have to do anything but be present and you're part of it for however long that meeting lasts, and it's, it's quite incredible. Wow. So to me that kind of is one of the more important things is just to, to be present and to be open to what other communities are offering you because you, um, you can really get a lot out of the many things that are out there, the many communities that are out there. Yeah. Now, Tracy and Glenna, in your practices, do you find that people come in feeling like the sense of isolation and that they don't belong? Do you tackle that? Um, in my particular work, there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of that feeling and okay. certainly a lot of the, the mental struggles that go along with um, with being an HIV positive is isolating. People don't feel like they'll be accepted. They don't feel like um, within their cultures they're acceptable. And it's yes. a, almost a decade long, if not more, struggle for them. So um, it's it's a huge problem. And it's something that um, you can offer certain resources, but they're not often um, they're often not ready to take them. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a matter of of working through that uh, with them in a way that they can reframe their situation and and see things a little bit differently. Yeah, I love I love what you've just said about reframe. It seems to be if everybody was open to reframing, things would flow to use Glenda's word a lot easier. Mm. Absolutely, because some things you can't change. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Glenna, what about in your practice? Do you find any of your patients coming and saying, they may not say the words, I can't find my community or I feel isolated or left out, but in between the lines, are you, would you guess that people are there? I guess when I look at my practice, what comes to mind is a certain age population is teenagers. Okay. That's definitely, I think most teenagers go through that, and I think that's kind of one of the jobs that teenagers have is to find where they belong. And that's usually one of their priorities in their life is belonging they're seeking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely what comes to mind are probably mm-hmm. in most teenagers that I do see. Yeah. Now, I, I know we're going to talk about spiritual balance and home sanctuary balance. I forgot to mention about kids. I don't know why I forgot that one, but the kids' ba- balance tip. And, Glenda, we're going to go right to you for that one. <laughs> well, I think we've managed to touch on that in all sectors. You know, kids have that ability to kind of pop up everywhere in your life in a very adorable way. <laughs> um, but I would say probably for any moms out there that set, whether they're in, about to be a mom or or right in the, you know, infant or toddler or teenager stage their kids are at, it's always redefining yourself because before you have a kid, you know, okay, this is who I am or you have an idea, this is who I am, this is my job. But then when you have a baby, it changes. And I know a lot of women have to grieve, mm-hmm. sometimes the loss of a career or a job, even if it's just temporary. A lot of women tell me that they they were happy and joyful, but at the same time they, they grieved their flexibility, their spontaneity. So it's just to kind of redefine who you are because you will come out at the end of it usually after about every mom finds it different between six months, 12 months, 24 months. You'll come out a stronger version of yourself. But to kind of give yourself a little grace period of of that to kind of, you're kind of preparing to redefine yourself to yourself, not necessarily to anybody else, but yourself. Mm. And you that's, find, yeah? Before, do you find, I don't mean to interrupt, I apologize for that, but do you find those feelings could be counterbalanced by having older women in your life who have already gone through the bash? Definitely. And, and you know you know what to expect, because it seems to be a lot of the, the cultural wisdom in terms of stages and feelings sometimes is missed because we move around so much or maybe we look to different sources. How do you, is that relevant? I think so, but I, I think when, one thing that always makes me laugh is when I'd had either one of my kids, you know, I would say nine months less, any mom who's, who kid, whose kids are, you know, say 20 plus would always say to me, oh, enjoy this time. It's the best time. Oh, I wish I had that back. And I finally had heard it enough. <laughs> and I said, okay. I looked at woman and I said, really? Do you really miss not being able to shower for 15 minutes without feeling guilty? <laughs> Do you really miss that? And I stopped her in her tracks. <laughs> she was a stranger. And she kind of said, oh, yeah, I forgot about all that. <laughs> she was romanticizing. <laughs> yeah, and I kind of had enough with it because I was, where I was romanticizing being alone. At a coffee shop for 10 minutes <laughs> without feeling guilty. So I had, so that was that. I think the poor mother, <laughs> woman will never say that again to somebody. <laughs> well, you were honest. You were honest from, from where you were in the present. What about you, Tracy? Any thoughts about kids or children in balance in your life? Well, in my life, it's mostly Glenna's kids that um, <laughs> contribute a lot to it. Um, Glenna will attest that whenever I, I do um, get home to see them, that I, I certainly spend most of my time, any time that I can with them. And it's, it definitely um, 
changes my perspective of um, of what I do, um, where I'm at in the world, and and what's important to me. So the kids definitely perform a valuable service, even to those of us that don't have them. Um, they they bring you back to um, what's really important and at the basis of of what you're doing day to day. What what is important? Yeah, that's a good point. I find for myself that. Although I don't have children, I'm starting to look at the role that we all play in terms of nurturing the children that are here on the earth plane. And how can, to be honest, it makes me want to be a better person. And I wonder how can I be a better person so I show up better for the children, everybody else's children. And that's where I go with the, with the children balance tip. And my question for our listeners out there is exactly that. What are you doing to help today's children? And does knowing that you have a role to play in the lives of our global children make you want to be a better person or a role model? So that's what I'd like to offer. Now, into an area that really is one of my favorite talking points, which would be spiritual balance. So what I'll I'll share is that at dawn and dusk, while I'm in bed, comfy in bed, for about 10 minutes in the morning and in the evening, as I mentioned, I do a visualization or basically it's connecting my physical self to my higher self. And I've been doing that for about six years. So my brain, the benefit of this is my brain seems now to be kind of wired for a twice-a-day connection with spirit. And a funny story that I'd like to put out there is, is I'm a doer, and it sounds, it sounds like Glenna and Tracy, you guys are, are pretty goal-oriented and doer personalities also. So I would have a list, and of course my list would have 50 things on it that I needed to get done during the day. And I was happy with my list, but no, there was no way I could ever complete my list. And if I put a check mark by anything, but it was quickly replaced by something else that needed to be done. So this wasn't really working for me. It didn't make sense. So I remember one morning I was in bed and I was connecting to spirit, and I asked my higher self, how many items should I have on my list? You know, what is in alignment with my highest potential? Is it these 50 items? And do you know what I got? What's that? One or two. One or two. And it shook my world up. It really shook my world up because that was too big a gap for me, going from 50 to going to one, one or two. And I realized that those 50 items were coming from my head, but those one or two items were centered in my heart. And that radically changed how I approached my day. And, and as you could imagine, it was a huge relief. Now, it didn't make me any less active, but it did help me as I developed into a better human being because my priority at the top of the list was whatever two items came in from my heart, they were the top two things that were tackled during the day. So if I was able to achieve those, and they were always very joyful and fulfilling, and I'm not saying they weren't work, but they were very joyful and fulfilling, then what other items were on the list, if I got them done, great. If I didn't get them done, great. They, they ceased to have any attachment. So what I would like to offer to our listeners is if you choose to have a conversation with your higher self, what items would stay on your list and what items would go off of your list? And be prepared for a big surprise. And it may be a big, nice surprise. 
So that's my tip on spiritual balance. How about you, Glenna? Wow, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> it's a big question, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess with, in spirituality, I try to stay open in all areas of my life and try to listen to that inner voice or that spirit. And I I know that, you know, the, the road that our, our spirit is always asking us to take is usually not the easiest. But I do say in the when I looked... I kind of looked back and reflected on decisions I've made in the past. When I did listen to my higher self, I've never regretted taking that path, which is always encouraging to keep, to continue. And I guess the most recent change I've made, because I felt my higher self was asking me to, was to change one of my roles. Because the last 10 years I've been, I've managed a multidisciplinary clinic, and I've kind of had to readjust and go, okay, a few too many things on my plate. What am I prioritizing? What do I really want to stay active in? And I realized that one of the things was that I don't need to manage a a clinic anymore. You know, I want to maintain my practice and continue to have a naturopathic practice and a busy one and enjoy being a mom. And I have a few other projects that I wanted to get into for 2013. So it's, Definitely a new chapter for me, and the last 10 years was a great chapter, one that I've learned a lot at, and, but I'm really excited to have a little bit of space to kind of tackle some new projects. And that was, you know, my head kept telling me, no, stay, keep going, you're enjoying this, but my spirit was saying, no, you need a shift here now. There's some other things that want to come in your life. That's an excellent point. And what about you, Tracy, what about in the spiritual arena? Yeah, I really had to think hard about this one because it's not one that um, I often consciously invite in. But um, one thing that I do know, um, my my spiritual development is multifaceted. I, I mean, there's there's my religious side. There's certainly just um, that that base spirit that you have that um, you have to return to every so often. Just when you're redefining who you are, when you're redefining your goals and I guess that that would be the same as your higher voice that you speak of. Um, it, um, for me, it's a matter of when or what environment best allows me to listen to this voice or listen to my my innermost spirit. And my tip essentially would be just to to find that environment and to go to it. For me personally, it's it's the open water. I grew up around the ocean. That's where I feel most at home, and that's where the world kind of goes quiet around me. So um, even when I vacation, I seek I seek a place that I can surf, essentially, where I can go out on the water and just be. And I don't necessarily even have to be finding waves. I can just sit on my surfboard and watch a sunset, watch dolphins, whatever. Uh, whatever happens around me will nourish me. And I, I think that um, it's very important that every day you, you find that a little bit. But um, every so often you need to dedicate some time to actually listening to yourself and nothing else. Yeah, that's beautiful. My heavens, I could picture you on that surfboard with the dolphins and the waves and the ocean. And that's it is my happy be- place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a really good fish. <laughs> now, for our listeners out there, if you're feeling like, oh, my heavens, you know, I have so much information and I'd like to go back and explore what Glenna and what Tracy have to share because it's very rich and very deep and I can relate to it and some of it even is touching my heart and some of it's touching my solar plexus. 
please avail yourself of this, this episode. All you need to do is to play it 24 by 7 anytime you want by the link that you're listening now. So it's available for you on iTunes, on the Firefly Willow Live website, uh, on my blog, on Air Healing Conversations with Mildred Lynn, or even on Blog Talk Radio. So what I suggest, and there's a pause button, so if you're replaying this, this, our time together, this healing conversation, and there's something that speaks to you, simply press pause and spend some time with it to reflect and then press the go ahead button again. And, and it may even take you a week or two weeks to, to fully go through all of the wonderful tips that we're offering here. What I'd like to do is just take a brief break again and touch base with Firefly Willows Live. And when we come back, we will do our last balancing tip, which is in the area of home and sanctuary. So thank you, Glenna and Tracy. We shall be back momentarily. Introducing theshamanist.com. Because of its capacity to connect us to the divine, shamanism has been described as archaic techniques of ecstasy. John Carousella has been working with shamanic techniques since 2003, developing his skills in healing and counseling. Now we invite you to take advantage of what he's learned at The Shamanist, John's website for his personal healing and counseling practice. Visit theshamanist.com to learn more about the services John offers for individuals and teams. Looking for healing, discovery, inner peace? John can help make a difference in your life. Visit theshamanist.com for more details. And we're back. I'm here with Dr. Glenna Calder from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Dr. Tracy Morris from Vancouver, British Columbia, we are going into our final category of our balancing tips to start off the new year. And for our listeners who are just joining us now, please feel free to replay this episode. We are talking about tips in the area of work and play and kids and relationship, community, spiritual connection. And now we're going to move into home and sanctuary. So welcome back, Glenna, and welcome back, Tracy. Thanks. You're welcome. Now, home and sanctuary. Let me see now. My tip for people for this one would be to bring in nature, to open the doors, to grow plants in your home, perhaps get rid of clutter and let the air flow through each room. And I would say that you would be amazed at how much better that you feel generally. Now, I'm not talking about opening the windows if you live in a really cold climate, but it's the idea of it, to use every opportunity to bring nature in, to open the windows, to let the air flow. The point that I'd like to offer for people's consideration is to pay attention once again to what nourishes you and what drains you. And this could be in terms of furniture or possessions that you have in home, at home. And I'll tell you a funny little story. At least I find it funny. For years, I had this bright orange, ugly tea tin in the kitchen. And to tell you the truth, it, it irritated me every day, this tea tin. I kept it in the kitchen because I thought it was very important and nostalgic and sentimental to someone else. So finally, I had enough of this tea tin, and I asked this person, you, you know, are you really attached to the tea, 
And they answered me that they had zero attachment to it. So I was really surprised. So what happened is I was keeping something in the house that irritated me every day with the best of intentions because I thought it meant something to someone else. But I hadn't even bothered to ask the person, is this important to you? So needless to say, the little tin went off to the vintage store and I went to the Salvation Army charity shop and I got a sweet little oversized teapot which now has my tea bags and every time I use it I, it puts a smile on my on my face. So that was an example of something that I hit every day that drained me in my kitchen and I wasn't even aware of it. So it took away some of the positive energy from my home or sanctuary. So what I'd like to throw out there for our listeners is are you ready to actively remove items in your home that unbalance you? And are you even aware of them? So that would be my home sanctuary balance tip. How about you, Glenna? Hmm. I guess my home. Um, in the last five years, I've gone to living alone, to living with three people. So <laughs> I, I feel like I've been, my little corners are getting less and less and fewer and far between. So I got down to zero corners a few months ago where it was just mine. So what I did was, and I was very resistant to it, was making a corner in my in our bedroom because I felt like it was the one thing you're told not to do was to take your work into, you know, your, your bedroom or it'll affect your sleep, etc. But I did it because I thought, well, for right now, this this is going to work for me. And I had to become more flexible in my mind than I was. So I did it. Um, so we set up an office in my bedroom, and it's a, a corner, and it's mine. And it's worked. It's been great because I hadn't realized that it was very draining for me not to be able to have a, a corner set up that I could leave set up so that if I was doing work and one of the kids woke up and I needed to leave my work right away, I didn't have to put anything away. Mm. really worked mm. for me. And uh, it's always set up so I can come to it and close the door over and then in two minutes I can leave the room and I can be a mom. So so the the lesson would be don't listen to the they, try it out for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good guidance. How about you, Tracy? Well, for me, um I kind of like your tip a bit better, Mildred, but <laughs> um my <laughs> sanctuary in my house is essentially my bedroom. And because as I said before, my um my environment of calm is the ocean. I bring in a lot of color to kind of um, replicate that. And that way, when I come home from a trip, when I come home from work, I can go immediately to a place where the colors remind me of, you know, where in my ideal I'd be all the time. So um, I find that um, my blues and greens and sandy colors uh, mimicking the beach are what kind of um, almost subconsciously draws me into a, a more calm state of mind and a more refreshed state of mind. I like that one. I like. I, I had never thought about that, but I believe that by giving the tip on bringing nature in, when I think about it, I really like being in nature. So, so you're spot on there. Yeah. Now, Greta, of the different categories that we talked about, which one or which tips really resonated with you, one or two tips? Oh my goodness, I think I could say 10 or 20 <laughs> that you guys have said that really did. Um, definitely one of the things was when Tracy said what she does is take her schedule and put in 
the time she wants to spend with family or friends, and then kind of make her other schedule around that just to make sure that the, those little precious times are there because they can easily get pushed aside, right? We're always going to work. We're always going to have, you know, make sure our priorities like our, our work are, are done and we show up for those. But it's our friends and our family that might, that time might get smaller and smaller. Yeah, that's, a good, that's a good point. What I really liked was, and, and Tracy said this also, I like to do in the area of relationships. And it really made me think about who do I need to be to show up for the relationships in my life. Like locked and loaded kind of thing. Like, okay, I anticipate I'm going to be going to Nova Scotia. I need to be, you know, I, I need to nourish this part of, of myself so I can show up as this person when I hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. So I really like that. I had never thought of it before. And, of course, the, the dolphins and the surfboard and the waves. I'm sitting here thinking, how come I'm not on a surfboard? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're in California, too. <laughs> <laughs> Even more so, Tracy. <laughs> so I really like that. And, Glenna, for you, I liked the one about being structured to go with the flow, of being structured for lack of consistency, being structured for change, and embracing it, accessing it, anticipating it. I really liked, I liked that one a lot. So they were my takeaways. What about you, Tracy? Anything particularly hit you? Yeah, I, I love what you said about taking nature in. I mean, I've always thought about it, but I certainly I, I'm not uh, I'm not very green in the thumbs, so I don't have a whole lot of plants around. But that's it's just so important to have a reminder of your natural environment because it's really where we're supposed to be. And to have remnants of that in in your environment is is so important to um, going back to that to your base and a kind of um, even without effort nourishing yourself. Um, the other thing is um, Glenna's idea of her relationship with herself being important is something that I think was so important to highlight um, that that relationship will help you also think of other relationships in an unselfish way. Um, the idea that a relationship should benefit both parties. And if it doesn't, then maybe it needs to take a back seat is a, a very good one. I'll take that yeah. forward. Yeah. Now, do you feel that this format that we're using today to share with our audience, do you feel this is a good format? Because you, you guys are both practitioners. You both deal with people a lot. You both communicate important information that has the potential to make profound changes in people's lives. Do you feel that the tip, taking categories, creating tips, sharing personal experience, do you find that's a good teaching tool? I do, because for me it's very organized and it's, you know, a lot of people are visual learners, so to know where we're headed and to kind of separate them into categories, even though they kind of, they're all connected, is was great. Okay. And what about you, Tracy? Did this work for you, this format? Yeah, I, I like it very much. I like, uh, what I like about it is um, we know that we take very little away from from any educational or um, conversational experience initially, but the fact that we can go back and look look over it and get new things from it every time is a very important thing and very useful. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it too. So I'd like to thank Glenna and I'd like to thank Tracy for being a part of this pilot program today. We've never really attempted the show in this format before. I'm feeling, I'm the big, am I feeling nourished or feeling drained person? I feel very <laughs> feel nourished. I feel I have some excellent content to work with. I also like the idea that we can go back and revisit it. And I like the idea that we have it in an organized fashion. I like questions. So if 
if our listeners out there are going through the different section, pay attention to the questions that Glenna is putting forward and the questions that Tracy has put forward because they're really good questions and reflective questions. Anything, Glenna, that you'd like to add just before we beam up to our lives? No, but I think your, your questions, Mildred, were great. Each one really kind of stopped me in my tracks, and I would have liked to just press pause then. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Tracy? Um, I guess the only comment I have is that um, it's so useful to converse with people coming from different areas because uh, I've come into this um, knowing what my take on things were, but I've certainly learned a lot from both of your opinions and your approaches as well. Yeah, and I, I believe I can speak for Glenna. Tracy, when Glenna and I launched What's Your Prescription for Balance in February, we would love to have you to come back as a guest if you're open to that. Absolutely. Right. How do you feel about that, Glenna? Great. Easy okay. breezy. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. We're talking with Dr. Glenna Calder from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Dr. Tracy Morris from Vancouver, British Columbia. Please join us next week when we have Evolution with High C. Letterman's and Tracy and Glenna. Oh, I forgot one very, very important thing. If someone wanted to contact Tracy and Glenna, would you guys be open to sharing the best way to do that? Sure. I think through email would, would be me, and that would be glennacalder at gmail.com. Okay. And Tracy, is there a website or... Um, email is also the best way, and that would be tmroar at yahoo.com. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for being part of our program, and enjoy the day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. Next week on Revolution with High C, join in the conversation with Dr. E., a Lakumi-crowned priest of Chango and root worker. Dr. E is a shaman, psychic visionary, spiritual medium, and two-headed conjure doctor with a powerful gift for working with roots, spirits, and prayer to make real change happen in this world for himself and for others. Divination, magic, and root work for love and reconciliation, reversing evil, money drawing, and petitioning saints are some of the many areas that Dr. E specializes in. We'll also have a magical moment offering techniques for drawing good fortune and prosperity to you in the new year. And Dr. E will join us for on-air readings in the latter part of the show, offering bone readings in conjunction with tarot readings from High C. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E Presents.